What's going on, y'all? This is Mike Brown, and I just wanted to say thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. This is your first time listening. I appreciate you tuning in. Um, if you are enjoying the show, please subscribe to it wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, leave a comment. Let other people know what you think about the show. Um, got a really good show for you guys today featuring DeMarco Majors, one of my teachers in confidence. Also, if you like the show and you want to support, subscribe on Patreon. Yo, what up? This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go. Today, I have a special guest in the building. Um, We met playing basketball, but this man has definitely been impactful on my life. Um, before I tell before I tell that story, do you mind introducing yourself to the listeners? <laughs> hey, everybody! My name is DeMarco Majors, and uh, I am fortunate to hail from Evansville, Indiana, uh, and now reside here in LA. And I get to be uh, in the presence of Mike. I get to be your friend. So, uh, hello to everyone out there. Man, and I feel like it's it's been a minute since like we've seen each other and caught up, but man. I say that you are impactful on my life because I remember the season that I was a team captain and I didn't even know you, but people were like, man, pick up DeMarco. He's good. So I'm like, yeah, I'll pick up DeMarco. And I remember the first game we played together after that game, you told me I was hurting the team. And (laughs) like, I I never had anybody like talk to me like that. And I was like, I'm hurting the team. And you were just like, you're not playing to your max potential. Like you are playing, you told me I was playing scared and I was, I was playing scared. And I remember like every game you would call me out to like, I don't know, it was one game. It just clicked for me. And I got confident in, in just playing. And like, it seemed like after that, like our chemistry was just, it was (laughs) on, but, but everything that you were telling me about myself, it was like, you saw you saw those spaces where I was a little insecure and like you you acknowledged them and said something about them and it made me like really look at those spaces in my life so I really appreciate that you know as much as I could sit here and want to take credit for that which I do not because that credit goes <laughs> to God and it, that's not about it being religious that's acknowledging you know the creator has been so creative to be uh, creating us and putting us in those spaces and in those moments and it's honestly it's true you know and one of my gifts that I've been fortunate enough to have when it comes to sports is to be able to look at what's not there And how do we fill that space with the right tools, with the right things that are already within you? And I, when I first seen you, it wasn't about, because most people see you and they see your stature. They're like, man, he's tall. He should have his back to the rim. But is that his actual talent? Is that his gift? And if you're telling me as a person that he should be doing that, what did you do to bring it out of him? And so I'd rather be a part of your growing process and challenge you. I'd rather for you to hate me and grow than to sit around and be someone who's all up in your face and be excited for the layup that you made when you missed 20 others. No, 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 I I don't do that. I'm sorry, I can't be that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and that's a standard of a true friendship because guess what? 
you have the now you have the same confidence to be able to look at me and in, in, in my in my blind spots and say, hey, Marco, you fucking up. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I think even like just, you know, off the court, too, like, you know, because at that time it was around the time when I had just got out of a relationship and I was just dating. It looked like I was just just kind of just dating, like meeting people and stuff. And you were like, slow down, like you really need to take some time to focus on yourself. And yeah, like I said, nobody really <laughs> put it put it to me like that because I feel like a lot of people were probably on the same wave that I was on. But I guess I would like to know, like, man, where, like, just where does, like, your self-awareness come from? Like, have you always been self-aware, like, from, from like, youth or, like, like, where did it come from for you? Wow. Um, good question. And thanks for asking that because um, I've been fortunate to have an eye, but it wasn't um, the eye for awareness in me. It was marred by trauma. It was in me, but I had these insecurities because, you know, we all have some gifts and talents in us. And then there's a message in us. But when I was growing up, I was afraid of the message because the message was pure. It was perfect. And I thought I had to be perfect. But being reminded as a child in Indiana, I'm Black, I'm poor, something's different about me. I had all these different bricks that were stacked up against me that I accepted these bricks and put them on my shoulder. I made the choice to do that. And I didn't realize that that was a decision that I was making in my life. I was accepting, you know, an inheritance of trauma, anxiety, fear, um, depression, anger, anguish, and rage. I didn't know that I had the, I could make the choice to not accept that inheritance. And it started to, my awareness was great when it came to other people, but I didn't have a voice because I didn't, again, I didn't trust what was in me because I was always an image or a product. And being that image or product, because as a young black man in this world, I had to, as vulnerable as I wanted to be and needed to be in order to really learn, we had to, you know, I had to grow up with the idea that I'm black. I got to be strong. I can't be vulnerable, which meant I can't be human. And you're looking at me and you're looking at me to make decisions and to be this strength and be this confident person and all these other things when I didn't even understand the meaning of confidence. I did not have confidence. And I really started to submerge myself into uh, the Bible. Wow. And in reading the Bible, again, at that time, it wasn't about being religious, even though I was a part of a church. It was about I needed to read something that allowed me to be me at that time. So when I would read those stories, I would relate them to myself. And it was the only time that I had peace. It was the only time that I had freedom. But then I would look at the religion and seeing that the religion was not following the doctrine, which meant that that was also me. So I started to, once I left 
Indiana. And once I left California, I started to go into cultivating this, but I still had this battle. I had this huge battle with the, with, um, the message, you know, social media, you know, created even more of a monster. When you have a message, people think that you have to be perfect. No, the message is perfect. The message is perfect. Stop vilifying the messenger and get into the message. And so once I started to have that awareness and understanding in my life that I'm as perfect as I am and as I am not. And guess what? That's okay. But the one thing that is truly perfect is what God put in me. Because remember, and I will, this is the one thing, and if we really want to know where the confidence started to arise and came from, it's in from the, when I read Jeremiah. And it says, God said, I knew you before I formed you in the womb of your mother. When I realized that, I realized that I had a relationship with God and he took all the components of all the generations of all the different people to create the perfect me at just the right time for me to be who I am, to give what I was supposed to give. That's where my confidence comes from because it never said, I knew you to be perfect in the womb. No, I knew you. We had a relationship and we still have a relationship and you're my child and it's all good. You're going to do some things that I don't like. I'm going to do some things that you don't like. And guess what? You're still my child and I love you. That was it for me. Wow. And man, I really, really like, I don't think you know how much I appreciate you sharing that because it's kind of sad to me that I do see a lot of people in the community stray away from God because of what I guess church or, you know, maybe somebody in a family or something has, has placed upon them. And, you know, like my entire life, like I've, I've always believed in God. And even like when I came out, you know, because pre coming out, I was definitely like, man, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want this. I don't want that. (laughs) Yeah. But coming out, like my life had got not easier, but it was like, it was a lot freer. And I was like, damn, like, I still feel like God is blessing me in this life. And it's like, so all this stuff that people are teaching is wrong. And it kind of forced me to build my own relationship with God. Then it wasn't wrong. Yeah. It was, it was the right information for you to question. See, their information was right in the moment for you to question because Before, you didn't question it, but it was the right information now for you to question it and realize this is not right for me. I need to go have this relationship with the creator. And guess what, man? It's not an easy conversation to have with yourself to accept the mission because that becomes a mission. To have a relationship in the space where it began. And that's tough because, you know, we're given to parents, we're given to um, people, and we put our, we have to trust them. 
And guess what? They interpreted the best they could with the information that they had. So they tried to give you what they had, but we we forget oftentimes that our vocabulary, the way we learned, we learned our vocabulary is through our experiences. Those experiences are chemical responses because everything in the brain is chemical. Nothing yeah. is visual until you add, until you attach an emotion to it. So your vocabulary that you used when you were younger, when you were in that religion, could have had the energy and the frequency of trauma. So anybody that used those words triggered trauma in you. But you decided to change that by creating your own relationship. That's the power of confidence right there. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful journey, man. It really is. Um, man, what advice would you give to somebody that is having that struggle with confidence? First things first. Take three deep breaths. Realign yourself with you. And then do core identifying statements in the morning and write down 10 times, I am. As an example, I am a friend, I am a lover, I am a child of God. But then after that, do 10 I am a statements. I am a brother. I am a beneficial presence on this planet. I am truthful to my being. When you do that, the next one, do I choose to live with? I choose to live with integrity. I choose to live with honesty. I choose to live with. So when you do that, then you get to create your own statement. Take the top, go back through your statements and rank them to which ones are the most important to you. Take the top five of each one and write it down on a piece of paper and say to yourself, this I am a child of God. I am who I am. I am DeMarco Majors. But then say, and I am willing to be a better version of myself daily so that I may live my life's purpose. This will grow your core. Because as long as you know who you are in your core, then your confidence grows. Because yeah. many of us have created confidence to be an identity, a person. That is something that is outside of us when that's not what it truly is. Confidence is an emotion that you can create. Man. So just remember, <laughs> be consistent in your understanding of your creation because your mouth, what you consume is what you express. Yeah. Understand what you're consuming because when you are ready to express, that's what's going to come out. And I understand that, you know, in different ways because I learned the hard way, whether it be relationships, whether it be addictions, whether it be people pleasing. I had to understand that a part of my self-worth and self-image came from people-pleasing and people-pleasing. Some people think that that's a good thing, but you try to control and manipulate how people view you and the situations around you so that you can be safe because you don't understand what safety is for you. And I, yeah. I was a people-pleaser. And I'm a recovering people-pleaser. <laughs> Man, I, def I definitely feel you on that. And uh, that's something I had to break as well. Like, it's, it starts to take a toll on, on your spirit, you know what I mean? And 
it's funny, I was talking to a friend yesterday about like choosing yourself first and just how difficult that is. But I've been telling myself, like the more I do it, the more natural it's gonna feel. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But one has to ask themselves the question, do I want choosing myself to be natural? Because if it comes so easy to me in that moment, am I truly challenging myself to not only choose myself, to choose more of myself in this particular instance? And see, yeah. that's, where, that's where it starts to grow because you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Choose yourself. How do you do? How does one actually choose themselves? Yeah. Because your brain... Your brain is so full of other people's ideas. You wake up, you wake up in the morning in a present past. You wake up today, but your mind is full of yesterday and the day before and the day before that. And you're in communication with things that you have to learn how to detach yourself from. So it becomes such a different conversation when you go... And go look in the mirror. Tell yourself, I love you. And then do your I am. Because guess what? If you tell yourself, I love you, when you look in the mirror 10 times before you go out into the world, do you know the world can beat you up? And by the time you get home, nobody may have said, I love you to you. You may be on your last two I love you's. But there's some people out there who ain't on none. And you can still be grateful for two rather than none. Yeah, that's real. That's so real. Man, I kind of wanted to go back to dreams and goals just because, uh, man, you you have lived like a, a lot. I would say a lot of people's dream by just playing pro basketball. I mean, that was definitely one of my dreams as a kid to to play professional basketball. But you've actually lived it. And what was that experience like for you? And also, was um, was that something that you which that you've always like wanted or? Okay, <laughs> this is time for truth serum one hundred and one. Um, if you want to have a truth bomb, here it is. Many of us who grew up, um, maybe what other people think are not the best circumstances. We made up that as our adult lives, we look back and may not have the best of circumstances. But it wasn't just the circumstances, it was also trauma. And basketball was a way for us to see that if I, put, if I make, pick this ball up and become good at it, I can become a professional and I could get paid to do this. And then I can take care of my family. So we think that this ball is the answer to our prayers. And what happened with me is I trauma bonded with basketball and I didn't know that I did that. I trauma bonded with basketball, which left me with depression, anxiety, performance anxiety, because at eight, nine, 10 years old, when I picked up that basketball, and I didn't make shots. I became obsessive. I obsessed 
over making a shot because if I missed at that young of an age, it was ingrained in my mind. If I miss, I won't have the opportunity to feed my family. I won't be able to tell, take care of my sisters. That pressure. I was so obsessed with making a mis- with not making a mistake, and so fearful of making a mistake that if I shot this shot and missed, everybody's going to be mad at me. If I go for this layup and I miss it, or if I get blocked. I'm going to be made fun of, and then I'm not going to make a team. So I perfected dunking out of fear. Wow. Wow. Um, that so says a lot, though. Yeah. 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 And that's that's something I'm learning now because I feel like fear has definitely held me back in a lot of places in my life, but now I'm recognizing, like, you can carry that with you and keep going. So that's, that's really, like, I, I appreciate you sharing that. You know what the great, you know the thing about fear is fear is going to exist. But if I'm in the car and you hanging out with me, there's still fear. Fear can be in the car, but not in the driver's seat. Not when I'm paying the bill. You can be in the back right. seat and chill. You don't get to say nothing. <laughs> you can exist, but you don't get to say shit. So, <laughs> but, but to finish answering your question my dream my goal was to take basketball as far as I could and I was rather beat up in basketball um, because I wasn't as good as a lot of people I wasn't as skilled Um, what I was was a hard worker I worked hard and I trained hard I became a student of the game. I became a student of training. I became a student of my body. I became a student of my teammates. Um, Again, some of those things that I was a student of was because of fear. And there were moments where I would get in a zone, especially when I wasn't around people that I cared for so much. When I was in a zone, people would come up to me and just like, either shake my hand or be like, man, you, you, you did this, you did that. And I didn't know how to celebrate that because again, the fear, but I can, I I can say with honesty and truth that I've been so fortunate that I got to go to places and countries and tryouts or, and meet people and play with people who were the, at who were at the top who were at their best and that gave me the courage to keep going gave me the courage to not stop fighting um, and it gave me the courage to to keep asking questions okay demarco if your foot is over here then what is your foot going to do but if you move your foot there what does that cause that defender to do okay demarco you got this person in front of you who you play, who you're, who you're defending, what move are they going to make? Well, you know, the first thing that I always did when I looked at an opponent, when I'm defending them, people be like, Oh, you look at their waist. Yeah. You look at their waist. I look at your feet first. Why would you look at somebody's feet first? Because when I look at your shoes, I know which side your shoes are rubbed off on, which is your stronger foot. So now you don't know what I'm really paying attention to. But now I know how to draw a charge. I know how to distract you. I know exactly how to make your body move. I know exactly what to do in every single moment to take that away from your team and to invest it into my team. But yeah, man, 
thank you for acknowledging that. But most, a lot of people don't understand that, you know, it wasn't just about being a professional basketball or a professional athlete. It was also, you know, back then when I got the opportunity to go somewhere and just, hey, even if it was just to play a month, even if it was just to play a few weeks, even if it was just to, you know, train with one of the top level team in another country, I, who sat on the bench in high school, I averaged 30 seconds a game in high school. I started in college. Hey, it don't matter if I was D1, D2, D3, NAIA, which I played in the NAIA. Yeah. It, don't, it don't matter which level I was at. Because guess what? I got to put on a jersey and I got to practice and I got to be a captain wow. in a professional league. I got, to, I got to be a part of other men who that was their biggest dream and they had no other dreams outside of that. I got to be a part of participating with dreams on a high level every single day. And I got to challenge and be challenged every single day. There were moments that even my friends who were close to me back then when I was living in San Francisco, they had no idea that it may have been violent for me. And there was one person in gay basketball back in, and I'll never forget this, in 2002, Big Lou came up to me, amazing black man, you know, trainer, you know, he's phenomenal. He came up to me. That was my boy, you know, and I just, you know, I just started coming around and all that stuff. And he came up to me. He said, man, what you want to do with this basketball? You ain't supposed to be here. And I said, I'm going to take gay basketball as far as I can. And I never thought about that when I shared that I was gay because I didn't come out. You didn't know me. I invited you into a part of my truth. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm saying gender loving. Let's not forget loving. So yeah. a part of my loving, a part of what I could give, because I because I felt I was so broke that I didn't have money and stuff like that to give, like like other people, I was able to give love. And at one point, I asked myself, if not me, then who? Wow. You know what I'm saying? Because at that point, we were seeing people who had retired, and then they would have conversations, and then they would fall off the earth. But there was there wasn't a particular person who actually brought, you know, a different flair to it. You know, there was many guys that friends of mine that I would start that I would take out to go play basketball in other places. You know, I would take a group of us gay dudes and go to the top gym in San Francisco or other places to go play ball. Because guess what? These are not our enemies. We are not opposite. We are athletes. And if you are opposite, that doesn't mean there's opposition. So we're going to walk up in here. You don't have to code switch. But we're going to walk up in here. We're going to whoop everybody's ass. And then we're going to leave. And then we're going to make friends. <laughs> and then we're going to start taking some of them to the gym and play basketball with us. We're going to get them on our playing field. And guess what? That's what we did. And 
I get to look at, and I don't have to be a part of the conversation. I know what I did in my heart. I know what I did in my heart. I'm not going to allow mistakes or um, pain from my past take away, erase the nitty gritty, the deep things that I was really fighting for and pushing for in my life. I get to look at the gay basketball right now and see, I see players who are pro players playing now. I see players who, um, whose adventures in life have led them there because they needed a family. I get to see these people because guess what? A lot of these guys didn't even know gay basketball existed. And some of us, you know, one friend went and created the NGBA. Not everybody was interested in that at that time because it was taken away from the core of what we really were. But he's seen that dream through. I got to play with some with some of my close friends back then. And we got to be a part of creating a TV show. I got to be on pro teams where I talked to people in other countries at halftime. The team would go in. I would stand in the middle of the court in a country where I couldn't even speak the language. And they would translate what I get to what I got to talk about, even though I was so shy and they couldn't and didn't like talking. But you gave me that microphone and you put that light on. I got to talk about faith and hope to people who didn't speak my language, but understood that joy and that pain and that hardship. I got to be a part of changing other people's lives through my experience of playing basketball. So I didn't have to be the best, but guess what? I meant the world to the people around me. I didn't have to mean the world as an athlete to people all over the world. So I'm, it may not have been a dream, but it definitely was a gift. And, and it keeps on giving. That's what's up, man. Um, what advice would you give to uh, an athlete of the LGBT community? As far as? As far as somebody like, like wanting to go pro or like just, like just really just, I guess, wanting to pursue that that goal and that dream and, and just not being afraid. These days, it is so much, it is so, it's easier. It's easier because back then, there was only, you know, back then when I was playing, teams only allowed two import players. There's no restriction on import players now. I would say to any player or athlete, who is of the community. Excuse me. Get a coach. Get a personal trainer. Get a meal plan. And don't give up. There are seven continents on this earth. Four to five of which have professional teams. Now, when you break that down, you look at all the different divisions, get rid of your ego and go where you can get into a third division or a second, second level team. Meet everybody in the league, make friends and network, train with the different trainers in those leagues so that when you get to the chance to play, 
you may not be the top player, but everybody will respect you and they will know that you are a team player and you will go far. So if anything, it's always about your body first. Well, no, it's about your spirit first, your body second, and then don't give up. You're not going to make every team. You're not going to make every team. You may not even make a team, but guess what? If you put yourself in the right places, you may not be the player, but you may end up a, you may end up a, tra- a manager or a trainer. There's always a way to get in. It's just that how do you see the opportunities? If there's no one knocking on your door, create a fucking door. The ABA, it takes $30,000 to create an ABA team. It may be more now. If if you're not on a team, if you can't feel like you can't make a team right now, get a bunch of friends, hit them up. Takes what? About $150 to create an LLC? Get a bunch of your friends, get a loan, create a team. Guess who gets to be the star of your own team? You. What if the team folds after three games? Then that means you got three games under your belt with a reel that you can sell to make other teams. Get fucking creative and don't complain and whine and get up and do what you got to do because that vision, that vision was put in you. And remember what I said at the very beginning. (laughs) I knew you before I formed you. God knew what was going to be in you. And he gave you that killer instinct. He gave you that go. And if you sit down and sit on the ground and hide your talents in the ground, then don't expect to do nothing great. Sit in the stands at a gay basketball tournament talking about how great you used to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck that. That's not good enough in life. Go out there and go get it and create it. If you can't go out there and go get it and create it, hit me up on my social media. I'll help you provoke thought. I'm not going to do it for you, but I'll help you provoke thought and put you in the situations where you can go and do what you got to do. But give you something? Nah, you got to go do it. That's what's up, man. I got a couple of more questions for you. And then I got another segment. But what is one piece of advice you would give to your younger self? Hmm. The one, the piece of advice that I would give to my younger self is ask deeper questions. Ask deeper questions. Because I learned at a very young age a fearful tactic which stopped me from using my voice and didn't believe that my voice was important, nor was anything that I had to ask. And that's because I learned at a very young age when, you know, and parents didn't know that they were doing this. You know, when my mom would take me out of the house, she would say, when we get outside, when we go over to my friend's house, when we go to this grocery store, don't you ask for shit. So I learned when I wanted something, when I needed something, not to ask for shit. So my advice to my younger self, ask, ask deeper questions. Even if you're scared, ask anyway. 
Keep asking until it feels right for you so that you have it simplified enough to go out there and apply it to your life. Ask deeper questions. Nice. What's one reminder that you want to give to your future self? Exactly what my grandma told me. <laughs> she said, baby, pray first and always keep God first. Well, she said, always pray and keep God first. I don't need to keep, do anything every morning that I wake up. Even though I'm still, you know, trying to break certain type of habits and not pick up my phone and do social media. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm still I'm still trying to break some habits, but. Once I started applying that, I started getting rid of the fears. I started, you know, addictions lessened. I was willing and open to lessons. Yeah. My maturity, my maturity level went like this, which allowed my friend circle to go like this. Because I learned I can be a friend to a lot of people. However, how good of a friend. So I know yeah. that only having a small group of friends, I can give my heart efficiently, effectively, wholeheartedly, without any malice, deceit, or, in, or different intent. Like I have to perform for a friend, which is why you always see me with very few people and the same people. Yeah. That, that, was, that would be to my future self. And I think one of the main things to myself is... Uh, which is my other post-it that I have on me all the time is you can't read it, but it says never despise small beginnings. Mm. Never despise small beginnings. No matter how small the beginning of your podcast, no matter how small beginning the idea, don't despise it because life had to start somewhere. And so will your vision. Man, I appreciate that, DeMarco. So this next segment is new, but it's sponsored by Feel Free to Feel Free. And this is five seconds, five questions of freedom. So I'm going to ask you five questions and you can answer them as fast as you can. Okay. I'll, I'll start with the first one. Um, New York or LA? New York. You said New York? Hooping or modeling? Hoop. Hoop. Okay. Um, who's your favorite basketball player all time? Reggie Miller. Okay. Okay. I love Reggie Miller too. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your favorite country to, to visit or live? Japan, Tokyo. Okay, why? It is New York on crack. The fashion, the food, the people are sweet and humble. It's absolutely amazing. That's what's Except up. for the earthquakes. <laughs> <laughs> and my last question is, what brings DeMarco freedom? The understanding that I can do some, I'm free to do some dumb shit and be okay with myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. 
Man, DeMarco, <laughs> where can the people find you? Um, you? They can find me on Instagram at dmajors. Um, you can always look up my first and last name on any social media platform. Um, however, you can also find me now on demarcomajors.com. Um, That's where I have um, my new business, Major Way Strategic Life Coaching. So I have my own okay. strategic life coaching, trauma healing, and uh, relationship uh, practice now because I you know, got licensed and certified and all that stuff during the pandemic and created a business. So um, if you find me, well, they say this, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher will show up. So you'll know how to find me. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're doing that, too, because as we've been talking, I was like, man, DeMarco would be a great life coach. So that's dope to, to hear that you're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> man, DeMarco, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you coming through. I appreciate you. Like I said before, man, in this stance, I truly appreciate one that um, you asked me and, you know, well, you know, if you ask me, and I will put the emphasis on you, if you ask me, I'm, I'm down to do it because um, I believe in you. I support you. And, you know, of course, I honor my agreement with you as, as being your friend. You know, I don't have to hear from you and be in your face and text message you all the time to know that I pray for you daily and that, you're, that I'm a part of your life and you're most definitely a part of mine. So thank you for this moment and sharing the space with me. Man, DeMarco, I appreciate you so much. And I love you, man. Um, thank y'all for listening. This is Mike Brown. And this is The Art of Letting Go. Peace. Peace. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Art of Letting Go. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to this podcast and leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Let other people know what you think as well. If you want to get in touch with us, Hit us up on all social media at the Art of Letting Go Podcast. Also, you can send me an email, the Art of Letting Go Podcast at gmail.com, or give us a call, leave a message. We might play it on the show. 213-394-2773. Also, if you would like to support the Art of Letting Go, we got some really cool merch. As well as we're now on Patreon. You can find us, the Art of Letting Go Podcast. Subscribe to us. Thank you guys for listening. This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go.